0: favorite singer-songwriter of mine, guy named kind of Andrew Peterson, and it's actually part of, uh, of an album and a show called Behold the Lamb of God, uh, which is a, uh, a Christmas show, a Christmas album that takes you through the story of the Bible, showing how it points to Jesus, and they, they do a tour every, every year at this time, uh, and actually it will be in Birmingham at the church at Brook Hills next... December the 17th, so tickets may already be sold out for that, uh, but it's worth, uh, it's worth even going ahead and giving it a, a listen, Behold the Lamb of God by Andrew Peterson. Uh, so we started our, our Advent series, our Advent sermon series last week in the book of Ruth. Uh, we looked at Ruth chapter 1, and if you weren't here uh, or you've never read the book of Ruth, uh, the story actually starts on a really bleak note. Right, uh, we, we begin the story of Ruth with a family of four, uh, Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons. Uh, and within a few verses, everybody's dead except for Naomi. Um, in fact, actually, uh, Naomi's two sons, they get married, but then they die. So uh, we actually have a story about three widows. Uh, and to be a widow is sad enough, but to be a widow in the ancient world... Uh, is is almost impossible, uh, because their very survival is in question. Uh, And so, but in the midst of that darkness, what we see is that there are little signs of hope. Uh, They had originally left the land of Israel because of a famine. There was no food, uh, and so they left the land of promise. They left Israel, and they went into enemy territory, into the country of Moab. Um, But... While they're, and while they're experiencing all of these hard things, Naomi hears that the Lord has visited his people, that, he has, that there is food in Israel again. And so the, the, the theme word that we looked at for chapter 1 of Ruth is that word return. Uh, Naomi returns to Israel, and she returns with one of her daughters-in-law, a woman named Ruth. Uh, now, Ruth is from Moab. She is a Moabite woman, uh, a despised ethnicity, a despised race by the people of Israel. They were enemies, they had oppressed Israel at different points in their history, and so um, but but Ruth says something shocking uh, back in chapter one uh, verse sixteen, and this is worth repeating. Um, just so you can have some context for the story. See, Naomi is trying to talk her daughters-in-law into going back home. She's going back to Israel, and so she looks at her two daughters-in-law, and she says, okay, you go back home to your, your people. Go back home to your families, because there's no hope with me. There's no future here. I'm too old to be married, and I'm too old to have children, and so your best, your best hope for a future is away from me. And one of the daughters in law takes her up on that, right? She makes what we would call the smart choice. Because there's really, Naomi has nothing going for her. And so uh, she, the, the other daughter in law, Orpah, makes the, the smart choice. But, but Ruth says something shocking. Verse 16, she says, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. So Ruth makes a choice to turn to the Lord. Right. This Moabite woman uh, who's never been in Israel. uh, Maybe she's heard about the God of Israel, Yahweh. Maybe she's she's heard about it from her late husband or from her mother in law. But she makes a shocking confession and she says, you know what, that may that may be the, the wise choice. But I'm going to go with you, because I think there's something there. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. And here's how chapter 1 ends. There's this glimmer of hope, right? This little ribbon of light on a dark horizon. It says that they return to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. That maybe, just maybe, everything's going to be okay, because there's food again. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story. Ruth chapter 2. Again, we're going to read the the whole chapter. Let's give our attention to God's word. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge." She also brought out and gave her what food she'd left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, "'Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? "'Blessed be the man who took notice of you.'" So she told her mother-in-law with whom she'd worked and said, "'The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz.'" And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, "'May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead.'" Naomi also said to her the man is a close relative of ours one of our redeemers and Ruth the Moabite said besides me he, excuse me besides he said to me you shall keep close by my young men until they finished all my harvest and Naomi said to Ruth her daughter-in-law it is good my daughter that you go out with his young women lest in another field you be assaulted So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is God's word, and like him it is good, and it is true, and it's holy. And while the grass withers and the flowers fade, the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray and ask for his help. Lord, would you make the reading and the hearing of your word effective? Holy Spirit, would you take this word, and would you plant it in our hearts, and would you reap a rich harvest from our lives? We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if our our theme word for last week was return, the theme word for this week is kindness. Uh, Now, it doesn't appear as often, it appears once in chapters 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Right. It's uh, it's Naomi's prayer in chapter one, verse eight, where she says, may the Lord deal kindly with you. May the Lord show kindness to you. It also shows up again at the end of chapter two in verse 20, when Naomi is blessing Boaz, when she says, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And then it appears again in chapter three, as we'll see next week, when Boaz, Boaz describes Ruth's actions for Naomi as kindness. So uh, it's something of a theme word in this story. It drives the story. But it's also a major word in the Old Testament. This word appears some 250 times, and most of the time, it doesn't refer to people, but it refers to God. And I don't Read Hebrew words often, but this word is important enough that you should know it. It is the word Hesed. Hesed. Uh, in Exodus 34, when God is describing Himself to Moses, describing His character, He describes Himself as someone who is full of Hesed. Now, your Bible's translated a number of different ways. Your Bible may translate that word loving kindness. Right, this, this word is so full of meaning that English translators, there, there's not one word we have that kind of captures the whole of it. And so some translations translate it loving kindness. Uh, this translation translates it steadfast love. You, yours may say loyal love. Uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones uh, wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible, and the way that she describes this word is she calls it God's Never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. That's Hesed. It's God's deep love, His deep commitment to rescue His people. And what we see in this story is that that love, that loving kindness, is reflected in different characters in the story. We see God's kindness reflected in. Ruth, and we see it reflected in Boaz. So that's how we're going to look at the story, and then we're going to see how God is actually, even though he's not mentioned by name very often, he's in the story as well in the background. So first, let's talk about the kindness of Ruth. I want to set the scene a little bit for you so you can understand what's going on. It's harvest time, and so what would happen is that the fields would be outside of the city, Outside of the city of Bethlehem, you would have just big open fields. Uh, and those fields, they didn't have fences and boundary markers. You just kind of knew that certain portions of the field belonged to certain people. Uh, and so the reapers uh, who were employees of the owner, right, they would go through and they'd, they'd grab a hold of the stalk and they'd take their sickle and they'd chop the head of grain off, right, and they would, they would gather those heads up. Uh, and they'd put them off to the side. And then the women, the young women, would come along behind the reapers and they would tie them up in bundles. Right? So that was the process of, of harvesting. And that's what's happening uh, in this story. Now there's another aspect here that you need to be aware of. Uh, you saw that word glean a lot. Uh, so Israelite law, God's law, commanded that owners of fields were not to harvest them all the way to the edge. They were not to get out of their field everything they could get out of it. They were to leave some behind so that the poor could come through those fields and glean so that everybody would have some food, right? So in that way, God protected and looked out for the poor, those who didn't have anything, by, by allowing them to glean. And underneath that is this reality that right? Boaz and the others, they're not owners of their fields, they're simply stewards. God is the landowner. It's his field. And so he can decide to do with it whatever he wishes. And so um, it's this, this law of gleaning that Ruth uh, wants to take advantage of. So um, so we, we're back in Bethlehem. Uh, Ruth tells Naomi, remember, these are, these are two widows. Uh, Naomi has not been home in ten years. Right. They've been away from the land for a decade. So they have nothing, no means of survival. And so what Ruth says is, I'm going to go out to glean. Actually, what she says is, I'm going to, I'm going to go gleaning and see whose eyes I find favor in. In other words, I'm going to go ask for permission. I'm heading out to the fields, and I'm going to see if I can get permission from someone to glean in their field. And so that's what she does. Now, Why is this an act of kindness? And there's a couple things I want you to see about the kindness of Ruth here. First, this is very risky for Ruth to do. It's very, very bold. Uh, She is a young woman. She is unattached. She does not have any family or owners or anything like that to protect her. She is an unattached young woman. And as we talked about last week, this is the day of the judges. There's no king in Israel. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. So Ruth is putting herself at risk by heading out to the fields. And you can even see that in the way that Boaz talks to his men and Naomi talks at the end of the chapter. There was risk of Ruth being assaulted out in the fields. Now, these, are, these are dangerous days. It's, it's not a guarantee that she would find a safe place to work. But she takes that risk and she goes out into the field. Not only that, but she's a despised race. You, you notice how often the words Moab and Moabite are brought up. Her race keeps being an issue. Uh, she, is, she is not from there. And so uh, the odds that she could be taken advantage of are high. But her loyalty, her loving kindness moves her to take that risk. She, at cost to herself, goes out anyway. We also see that Ruth's kindness is diligent. Right? She doesn't stay at home just expecting or hoping that somebody will come and take care of them. No, she presumably knows about what God says. She knows his law about gleaners, that there's opportunity out in the fields. And so she trusts that she will find favor in someone's eyes. She knows that the opportunity is out there, so she goes to take it. And when she gets to the field, we see uh, that she seeks permission uh, to go to work, right? If you look at verse 7, it's a little bit unclear uh, what she says to the foreman and and what the foreman says about her. uh, When she says, let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. And he says, so she came and she's continued from early morning until now. It's kind of ambiguous. Either... Ruth got permission, and she's been working at it since the morning, since she got there. Or, she got there and asked for permission, and the foreman has made her wait until the owner shows up. Either way, Ruth is showing her persistence. She is persistently kind to Naomi. She's not leaving until she is able to gather some food. This is, uh, this is what we call walking by faith. Ruth has no idea what she's going to find out there. Uh, But she has pledged herself to Naomi. She's pledged herself to the Lord. And so she goes to work trusting that God will provide, right? It's walking by faith. It's not sitting by faith. She knows what God has said. And so as, as Pastor Matt Chandler says, what she does is she goes and she puts herself under the faucet of God's blessing in anticipation of God turning on the water. She's going where, where she knows God will provide, and she's trusting him to do so. That's walking by faith. And in this way, Ruth is an illustration. It's, it's fitting that we look at the book of Ruth after we've been studying the book of Proverbs. Because in the Hebrew Bible, Ruth does not come between, uh, Joshua, between Judges and Samuel. In the Hebrew Bible, at least one placement, Ruth came after the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. And what's the last chapter in the book of Proverbs? What do we, who's, who's the very last person we read about in Proverbs 31? The noble woman, the, the wife of noble character, who's diligent and gracious and persistent. So Proverbs 31 shows us what a, a godly woman looks like. And then we have the book of Ruth, where we have the demonstration of that person. Uh, Ruth is the consummate Proverbs 31 woman. And that's how Ruth displays her kindness. What about Boaz? What do we we see about Boaz here? Well, we primarily see Boaz's kindness displayed in his generosity. First, did you notice the way that he treats his workers? Uh, What are the first words out of Boaz's mouth? He blesses his workers. As he heads out into the field... He blesses them by saying, the Lord be with you. Again, these are the days of the judges. They're days of violence and uncertainty. These people have just come out of a famine. So finding a boss who loves the Lord and wants the Lord's best for his workers, that was was no guarantee. Boaz probably stuck out in his day. In fact, we're told as much in verse 1 that he's a worthy man. He's a noble man, a man of good character. Again, the kind of man that Proverbs describes. He is a wise and good man. But look also how he treats Ruth. What's the first thing he says to Ruth? He calls her, he says, my daughter. Now, just before that, uh, he had noticed Ruth. He came out to the field. He greeted his workers, and then he goes to his foreman. And there's this young woman just there. Right next to the, the foreman. And so he says, Who's, whose young woman is this? Who does she belong to? And the foreman says, uh, you know, she's, that, she's that Moabite woman. Came with Naomi from Moab. It seems a little bit redundant to say she's a Moabite woman from Moab. Right? Again, her ethnicity is in play here. It's almost as if the foreman is saying she, she doesn't belong. Right? This is, this is who she is. Uh, and she's been, she's been standing here all day waiting for you to come and tell her what to do, right? She wants permission to glean in the field. That's how the foreman talks about her. But look at how Boaz talks about her. He goes to her and he speaks kindly to her and he calls her my daughter. He speaks kindly. He speaks tenderly to her. And then he goes above and beyond the requirements of the law. I mean, God's law would have required him to allow her to glean. That would have, in a sense, been her right as one of the poor in Israel, one of a a widow. And so he could have easily given that permission, but he goes above and beyond the law, right? He says, listen, I want you to stick close to my young women. So these would, again, would have been the ladies going behind the reapers who were gathering all the wheat up into bundles. By sticking close to them, she was guaranteed to get more than if she had waited with the rest of the gleaners, right? If she had just gotten the leftovers. So so basically, Boaz treats her like she's one of his employees. He says, stick with her. I mean, stick with, stick with them. And not only does he uh, tell her to glean, but then he says, and there's the water cooler. Help yourself whenever you're thirsty. So he treats her like she belongs there. And then... At lunchtime, he says, hey, here's the lunchroom. Come and eat with us. Again, not a, not a privilege that any gleaner would have had. Boaz treats her as one of his own. She gets to eat with the, with the reapers. And she gets to eat, do you notice, until she's satisfied and has enough to take home. That reminds me of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Not only... Were the 5,000 able to eat until they were satisfied? But then they went through and they collected leftovers. Boaz is generous with Ruth. And then after lunch, right, so the generosity hasn't stopped yet. after lunch, he tells his workers, his reapers, hey, listen, when you're you're chopping the heads of grain off and you're making your, your piles there to be bundled up, I want you to take some of those out And and leave them for Ruth. Right? So she's getting more than she would have ever gotten on her own. He treats her with generosity and kindness. In fact, Boaz is so generous that when Ruth gets done for the day, she has about 30 pounds of grain to take home. Now, I don't know if you've ever slung a, a shawl full of grain over your shoulder and then walked back in you know walked however however long it took to get back into the city but you can understand why Naomi reacted the way that she did where have you been who have you been looking for who has treated or working for who has treated you this way it is an astonishing amount of generosity that's how boaz shows kindness to ruth so what is it that stands behind the kindness of Ruth? What, what kindness stands behind Boaz's kindness? What is it, if we want to be diligent people, bold people, generous people, what is it that produces this kind of character in us? Is it simply a, a preacher telling you that you need to be kind to people? Does that Does that work? kind of sounds like, you know, your great aunt wagging her finger. Now, you be kind. Make sure you're generous. Does that generate the kind of kindness and generosity we're talking about here? Is that what makes Ruth and Boaz into the people that they are? No, behind Ruth and behind Boaz stands the kindness of God. They act the way that they do because God is always acting in kindness towards his people. Just, just look at verse 3. Um, Ruth has no idea where she's going, right? She's just heading out into the field. Again, it's not like there were there were uh, boundary markers or, or fences, right? They wanted to make as much use of the field as they could. Uh, and so she just goes out to the fields to see where she can find favor. And look at what it says in verse 3. She set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she just so happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, just so happens she ended up in Boaz's field. Now, the narrator told us in verse 1 that Boaz was a member of Naomi's extended family. So, it just so happens that Ruth ends up in Boaz's field. And it just so happens that Ruth gets there before Boaz does. And it just so happens that she's standing there so that they can have a conversation so that Boaz can pour out his generosity. Friend, does anything just so happen? No, this is the kindness of the Lord. Even as, even as Ruth is taking action, God is taking action in the background. This is God's providence at work, his kind providence in providing for Ruth and for Naomi. But also I also want you to look at Boaz's prayer in verse 12. Right when, when Naomi says in verse 10, why have you shown me favor? Which, by the way, is a prayer that every one of us should take when we realize that God has shown us favor. Why in the world would you show me favor since I don't belong here? I'm just a foreigner. I don't, I don't belong here, and yet you have shown me favor. Why? And Boaz tells Ruth, because I've heard about all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. You don't owe her anything, and yet you've stuck with her. You've shown her loyal, loving kindness. You le- In fact, you showed her so much loving kindness that you left the familiar. You left your mom and your dad and your land, and you came here where you don't know anybody. You've attached yourself to a different family altogether. And then he says this, may the Lord repay you for what you have done And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so, is now hold your finger there. I want you to go back and I want you to look at Naomi's prayer in chapter 1, verse 8. Naomi, speaking to both of her daughters-in-law, tells them to go home, go back to their mother's house. And then she says this. May the Lord deal kindly with you. May the Lord show hesed to you as you have shown it to me. That's that's Naomi's prayer in verse eight of chapter one. How does God answer that prayer? She just so happens to end up in Boaz's field. A man who loves the Lord and is generous with her. A man who prays another prayer of blessing over her, that God would repay her with more kindness, that he would show more kindness because she has taken refuge under the wings of God. This, this picture of a, of a mother bird gathering her defenseless young under her wings. We read about it in Psalm 91. She is taking refuge in the shadow of the Almighty And so Boaz recognizes that and meets a a desperate need. How how else does this show us the kindness of God? Let's think about Ruth. Ruth risks herself to provide for Naomi. She leaves the land that she knows at great cost to herself so that Naomi can be blessed. Does that sound like somebody you know? The Son of God who left his throne at cost to himself to pour out blessing on those who would trust him? How about Boaz? Meets a foreigner who's in desperate need, and what does he do? Welcomes her. Is that not what Jesus does for us? How does one become kind? How does one begin to show loving kindness? Well, you first have to realize just how much loving kindness you've been shown. You cannot be a loving person unless you first know how much you are loved. And that is what the kindness of God shows us. This unmerited, undeserved favor. So that Ruth finds favor in the eyes of Boaz, but Boaz and Ruth both find favor in the eyes of the Lord. So can we. This morning, we're coming, uh, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And just as Boaz welcomes the outsider, Ruth, to eat at, at his table, welcomes the foreigner to share his bread and his wine, so Jesus welcomes us. Unworthy sinners, people who do not belong here, we, we bring nothing to this table. We bring nothing to our salvation, as we said this morning at Discover Grace. We, we bring nothing to our salvation but the sin that makes it necessary. And Jesus says, come. And he doesn't just share his bread and his wine. He shares his body and his blood. And so this morning, I invite you. To once again, if, you, if, you've, if you've never feasted on the kindness of God, if you've never known the loving kindness of God, I invite you to know God's loving kindness this morning. If you've known it for decades.